Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is Josh Joholcraft coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Friday evening where we have the opportunity to uh, reflect into the readings for this Sunday. Now, this Sunday, we look at the exaltation of the cross. We recognize the victory in the cross. So um, we will not necessarily uh, maybe get into the gospel per se as reflect upon the cross and in doing so, hopefully gain insight into the meaning of the cross. And as I do, from time to time, I have Debbie Rosales with me. So, Debbie, great to have you with me another evening. Thank you for having me, Joe. So, Debbie, uh, the cross, it's most striking that we have this relic that really is the icon of, of Christianity, um, this relic that stands by itself and represents so many different things um, to so many of us. I think the cross, when we look upon it for each and every one of us, it means something different. Yet in that, it is universal. And so the church certainly sees the need to uh, celebrate the cross. So we have this great feast day, the exaltation of the cross. So why this feast day? There's a great history behind this. I enjoyed doing a little research. It begins with the Emperor Constantine. Mm -hmm. uh, he ruled 306 to 337. It was interesting as he went into battle, you know, Christianity was just, there was a war being raised against Christianity, and Christians were being martyred right and left, <clears throat> he would carry a cross into battle. Mm -hmm. And inscribed on that cross was, by this you shall conquer. Mm -hmm. I thought that was beautiful. It was his mother, St. Helena, who set upon the task of finding the true relic of the cross, the true cross. She figured it had to be in the Holy Land, and she was setting upon to find it. Um, it was about 320 and 326 when they were raising a bunch of pagan temples that had been built over these holy, holy sites in the Holy Land. And they were under the Temple of Venus. And they stumble upon three crosses. Mm -hmm. One inscribed with the inscription over Jesus' cross, the mm -hmm. one that, that Pontius Pilate had inscribed there. And not knowing whether this was the true cross, they set about to test, and it just happened that there was a man who had recently died. They found out about this. They took the cross, placed it upon the man's body, and he came to life. Mm. Um, it became venerated as the true cross of Christ. That happened more than once. There were several. That wasn't the only miracle, but that was certainly the most profound miracle. And then in 335, actually, the exaltation of the cross and the um, consecration of the Temple of the Resurrection over Calvary was established. So this is, this is a feast that we've had since 335, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. It was beautiful. As you're talking there, Debbie, one of the things that strikes me is how over the course of these last roughly 1,700 years, art has depicted uh, this image, this relic, is the great sign of Christianity. And there is a tendency to beautify it. You know, we see it adorned with, with all of these 
other great uh, pieces of art. We see um, it turned into jewelry. You know, a lot, mm-hmm. everyone has a cross around their neck, and certainly, understandably so, because we need to uh, wear those kinds of signs. But we have to be careful not to forget what it meant to the first Christians, right? Because for sure. the first Christians, it had no beauty. You know, the cross stood outside too many city walls, decorated only with decaying corpses, as a threat to anyone, Debbie, who would defy Rome's authority, including Christians who refused sacrifice to Roman gods. Yes. And so, uh, what's striking for me when I was reading up on the exaltation of the cross was how we've, to some degree, lost our sense of what Christ did as it relates to how we look at the cross today. Mm-hmm. There's a tendency to forget that, yes, this was a sign of death. And in fact, as Eusebius records, and he says, this is the most horrific death. You know, So what does God do? He enters into human history, and he takes the most horrific death, and he conquers that most horrific death. So that when you and I, Debbie, uh, are called to carry our crosses, we can never say, well, God doesn't understand because he understands. And we need to be mindful of this. We, we need to keep this in our rear view mirror, because again, as we've talked about in the past, what lies at the heart of Christianity is paradox. Mm-hmm. And by paradox, you know, th- this is a word that means contrary to expectation. The fact that life would come by way of a tree was contrary to expectation. Why? Because <laughs> the tree was the instrument to death. It was the instrument of darkness. It was the instrument, instrument to repugnance. What God wants us to see is now it's the instrument to life, light, and what attracts. Okay, but we have to be mindful as we talk about the cross, what Christ actually did on it, so that we might better understand that, yeah, Christ actually did go through something that we are called to share in, and in so doing, he always has that authority over us. I understand. You know, those words, I'm reminded of those words from the gospel where Christ had pity on them. Mm -hmm. You know, that Greek word for pity is this like, this guttural response. It went to the very heart of his being. You know, there is nothing that we don't go through that Christ has not already shared in. And I think this ought to be as Christians and as Catholics, Debbie, our great consolation, that no matter what goes before us, it's something that Christ has already endured. Again, Christ did not suffer and die on the cross as an antidote to our human pain and agony, as if it would remove it once and for all. He carries his cross. Debbie, he dies on the cross to give our suffering redemptive power. He calls us to his cross, and he says, share in this great mystery. And this is what we are called to share in. This is what Colossians 1.24 talks about. 1 Peter 4.13, and so many of the verses that talk about this quality and dynamism of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. You know, I'm reminded of St. Paul. Gosh, I love St. Paul. Love everything about that guy. (laughs) And talk about suffering for Christ. Um, He did it so willingly and uh, so beautifully. And yet there's, um, and you'll know know the quote in Scripture, but I just will um, kind of summarize he said i do those things that i ought not do things Mm. i don't want to do that thorn in my flesh Mm. you know he was wrestling with temptation and so often i think we don't see 
our temptations as a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't see it as a little thorn in our flesh that, number one, makes us stronger spiritually if we overcome them. Amen. Makes Amen. us humble, makes us dependent on God. Mm-hmm. They have a great purpose, these temptations and these crosses. So there's all kinds of crosses. If you think, I, you know, I, I, I really don't have any big crosses, but you're tempted, maybe tempted to purity, tempted to anger, tempted toward gluttony. Mm-hmm. Offer that in conjunction with the cross. St. Augustine says something so beautiful. In order for sin to be healed, we must gaze upon Christ crucified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did experience it all. He experienced temptation. He experienced mm-hmm. suffering. And St. Paul is just the, he is the, the guy in scripture that I yeah. go to when I want to be comforted in suffering. Amen. Well, think about what he had to bear. I mean, <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Someone wrote an article just a few days ago, and ooh, his provocative was, it was actually great. He says, imagine if the leader of ISIS converted to Christianity. Oh, man. Ooh. Ooh. That, that's Saul, Debbie. It is. You're right. That's Saul. Mm. Because let us remember, he was the one leading the charge, and just not the stoning of Christians, but many other incredibly gruesome deaths. Debbie, historically speaking, the very thing that unfortunately is being posted on all those YouTubes, the beheadings. Mm-hmm. Paul was leading the charge. So imagine. Sure. See, this is the stuff of God. Yeah. This is the stuff of God that he would convert someone like Saul, who we now know as Paul, as you were talking mm-hmm. about him. The crosses he had to bear, extraordinary. And this is why he put the cross at the center of Christianity. He understood it well. You know, we often say, Debbie, you know, what's the crux of the issue? Right? What are we saying when we say that? Well, I'll tell you what we're literally saying. We're saying, what's, what's the cross of the issue? Because the crux, literally, the Latin cross, right? So when we say, you know, what's the crux of the issue, we're saying, what's the essence of what's going on? Well, Christianity, the crux of Christianity is, is just that, the cross, because the cross is the essence of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking about this, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up something we have talked about a little bit before in the past, Debbie, but this, you know, we often say that when we are going through something that is terrible, that is bad, that is very difficult, that it is excruciating. I was on the phone with someone again last night, and he used the word two or three times. It's just so excruciating. No one understands. Well, I reminded this person (laughs) this truth. A, someone does understand, and his name is Jesus Christ. Why? Because what we just talked about. But B, it's actually... And we're close enough, you know, so I can say this, but it's actually something that comes from Jesus Christ on the cross. Because again, excruciating literally translates excruciates from the cross. So when we are going through something excruciating, Debbie, what we are made to see that that very thing is probably the very instrument to our salvation. Mm -hmm. Because if there's anything that Christianity teaches us is that the cross is the means to salvation, right? Right. So is our cross, the means to our salvation. Mm -hmm. Yes, he has saved us, but we say yes to that each and every day, and we do so by embracing our crosses each and every day. So when we use that language, wow, this is excruciating, be mindful of what you're actually saying and open your heart to the reality of what you're saying, that it is 
a gift from Christ on the cross, and he's telling you, what were the words you just used? Dependent, you know, maybe vulnerable. Uh, these are good things in the end. In fact, they're the best of things. And if we can become vulnerable in Christ, dependent in Christ because of the way in which we embrace our crosses, yeah. And you know, people say to me, well, Joe, that's just spiritual talk. No, 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 no. It doesn't get any more concrete because as long as, Debbie, we are vested in the flesh, we will always suffer. We are going to, whatever shape and form they come in, we are always going to have crosses. And so we need to be mindful of this. Uh, There's nothing more concrete than all of those little thorns uh, that we are feeling in our side. And so, yeah, let us not see the things that we're talking about now as, as abstract, but concrete and real. Very concrete. Um, you know, I'll share a little something from my own life. Um, eight and a half years ago, my husband was killed suddenly in a car accident coming home from work. Talk about excruciating. I, I never knew what excruciating was until then. I, I had always told folks in my life that the year previously when my son was in Iraq, I thought that was my most excruciating cross to, to date. Sure. Well, this one kind of obliterated that other one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but never, ever would I have been able to breathe one more day mm. without the mercy and love of Christ. Mm. When I would think the cross was just too much to bear, I would look upon Christ crucified, I would look at, at Jesus, and I would just say, you know, this, this is too much. Mm. This is too much. And I, I would be enveloped in his grace, his mercy, and his love in a way that I never would have experienced in my rosy little garden of life before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, really, yeah, unless yeah. you're in Gethsemane, yes. that, that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it's you, interesting you talk about garden and Gethsemane because you know, Gethsemane means um, oil press, right? Mm, the word in the Hebrew, actually, oil press, you're crushing. Mm. You know, and so, yeah. and that's of course what produces wine. But, but Christ being in the Garden of Gethsemane, mm-hmm. you know, he's extracting this, but he's he's being crushed. You know, yeah. this it's it's a fascinating image. And as you're talking about, that's what strikes me. I mean, you're yes, you were in your garden, yet suddenly this happens. And <laughs> and you know what happens under the best of pressure? You know, we have a grain of sand that turns into a pearl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um. Keeping my eyes on Christ and and his blessed mother in a new and beautiful way. The suffering that she endured, I have just a new appreciation and love and devotion to her. Um, Seeing what she had to see, enduring what she had to endure, watching her son, who was love and perfection itself, Mm. being maligned and beaten and accepting it willingly mm-hmm. both of them accepting it willingly and i thought how can i do any less than that how can i not accept it it's hmm. been given this cross has been given to me i'm obviously strong enough with his help and grace to carry it or he wouldn't have given it to me hmm. i shared with joe a few minutes ago i have a a little devotion to saint simon of serene because of this that there's yeah. times when the cross feels a little little heavy and i'll say 
Simon. <laughs> yeah. Pick up the back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah, on, buddy. Help yeah. help assist out. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And, and you know, thanks for sharing that, Debbie. I appreciate it. And I know our listeners uh, appreciate your um, very personal testimony. Simon of Cyrene is striking as you bring him up because if you were to go into oh gosh, what is it, Mark fifteen verses twenty twenty one, he was forced, compelled, yeah. a passerby. A stranger, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's always kind of striking. And then I've always thought, okay, so he resists, and all of the art depicts this, you know, he's not so sure. He wasn't there to root him on, right? He was there for the same reason, I'm sure, like the many hundreds others were, they were very curious of what's going on, and he's, he's thrust on the way, okay? Mm-hmm. And... When you go into the text, and I remember reading this one time, Debbie, and it most fascinated me that the, the forcing, the, the compelling, Mark uses a Greek word in the gospel, and he actually, he draws from the Persian language. And the Persian word is, is a word that was used uh, when um, the Persians would force an animal to deliver mail in the empire. So the whole idea here is, you know, this figure, Simon, is forced onto the stage of salvation history. And here he's made to carry Christ's cross. He is the alpha figure here, okay? <laughs> literally speaking, there's no, there's no abstract, you know, spiritual. No, this is literally, he's the first person to help carry the cross. Right. And as he does so, I've got to believe that as he begins to look into the eyes of Christ crucified, going back to St. Augustine, he's having that personal encounter with Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and he now begins to actually help him carry it all the way as he does. And in doing so, he's delivering a message. It's like Mark wants us to see in this deeper sense, here God has called this stranger who was on the sidelines. He's thrust this figure into the drama of salvation history on the way, and when he does so, he's called to deliver a message. That is to say, (laughs) male, right? (laughs) As Mark uses the language. Something else here. Some would say, or some would suggest, well, but do we know Cyrene experienced a conversion? Well, Mark records his sons were Alexander and Rufus. Well, Paul later talks about Alexander and Rufus as pillars of the church, Boy, isn't that a father-son testimony, huh? I think one Simon of Cyrene went back home and talked all about if they weren't there. Um, Or we know that uh, these figures, Alexander and Rufus, experienced a conversion. When, how, where, we don't know. But I've got to believe that kind of personal encounter, again, on that great stage of salvation history, had a huge impact. And why do I talk about this? Because Mark wants us to see something deeper. When we carry our crosses, we are delivering a message. Mm. When we call upon Simon of Cyrene, mm. he wants us to know that we have a message to carry. Okay. And that message is that there is, there is uh, this redemptive quality in carrying the cross. I mean, to look deep into the eyes of Christ crucified, those bloodshot, riddled eyes. I mean, I I was reflecting upon Simon of Cyrene, and I couldn't help but think how overwhelming 
in his humanity that must have been. Oh, I, I you know, agree. I, <laughs> so he offers for us an important, important reflection, this Simon of Cyrene. Um, because, yeah, I mean, he was made certainly to be a beloved disciple, but he was once a stranger. Maybe at times in our journey of faith, uh, we feel like we are Christ's beloved disciple. Maybe at times in our journey of faith, Debbie, uh, we feel like we are a stranger. Um, whatever side you feel like you're on, know this. He will call you onto the stage of salvation history, and that most prominent stage is the way in which we are called to carry our crosses. Absolutely. And we, he has given us ahead of time the gifts and graces that we need in which to carry it. Mm -hmm. I'm nothing special. I'm not stronger than anyone else out there listening. Mm -hmm. Whatever cross you are carrying, God's equipped you. Mm -hmm. He's given you everything you need. Reach out, gaze upon the cross, ask for strength. But that doesn't mean that you aren't equipped to carry it. God Amen. bless you for, for um, your strength, for your journey, for mm-hmm. your and it's a journey. I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that because it's certainly a journey of highs and lows and ups and downs and twists and turns. Yeah. And by the grace of God, um, we will all make it to the end. Yeah, you know, and as you're talking, I can't help but think of, you know, Calvary itself. Uh, there is Christ in the middle. You talked about the three crosses. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you know, these these two men, one on his left, one on his right. One, the one on his left, what does he say? Forgive me. He seeks forgive me. This man hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's accepted his cross. He's accepted the weight that at that moment he was called to bear. And then you have, you have uh, the man on his right, and he's accusing. He's pointing the finger. He, Debbie wants down from that cross. He wants nothing to do with his cross. Mm-hmm. He rejects his cross. Mm-hmm. And there, in that moment in history, that one moment that has defined every other moment in history, that moment, Christ wants us to see he wants us to think critically. Are you the man on my left? Or yes. Are you the man on my right? Are you accepting your cross? Mm-hmm. Are you seeking forgiveness? Or do you want thrust down from your cross? To run from your cross? I'm in, I'm in here in the radio studio right now raising my hand because I've had my days certainly where, <laughs> where I wanted nothing to do with the cross. Okay. But I talk about this because the reality is here, Debbie, we have the gift we call freedom. Mm -hmm. And we can either reject it or we can accept it. And I think you just spoke to it beautifully. There is nothing that God is going to give us that we cannot handle. And so we have to enter into that. And now what does that mean? Usually, if we say to ourselves, well, I don't think I can handle this, God is calling you to go deeper. Mm. And seek out the grace necessary. Right. You know, I've got to believe, Debbie, in, in your journey of faith, um, when you lost Steve, talking about concrete, all of the minutia, maybe that Steve would have been involved with now he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So now it's just he's flooding every single moment to be able to go deeper, mm-hmm. as you were speaking to so beautifully, seeking out God in the midst of, of your um, excruciation, mm-hmm. um, striking, you know, 
John Paul II, the first time that he used the phrase new evangelization, and Debbie, we've talked about this a great deal in the past on this radio program, just not Fridays, but a lot over the past seven months, Seeds of Truth Radio, the importance of the new evangelization. The first time he coined that phrase was in Mogila, Poland in 1979, and it was the Feast of the Holy Cross. And he, he's given his homily, and he's talking about the importance of accepting the cross. And he says, when the, when the uh, cross has been raised in your hearts, there, then, the new evangelization has begun. What is he saying? Yeah. When Christ crucified has evangelized our hearts, then the mission to go and proclaim Jesus Christ and word and deed has begun. If you remove the cross from the mission of the new evangelization, if you remove the cross from sharing Jesus Christ crucified, well, then you miss it entirely. Mm-hmm. No, Christ was constant. You know, my hour has not yet come. You know, the gospel of John, he's constantly using this language. My hour has not yet come. His mission was the cross because his hour, of course, was the cross. And so whatever crosses that God has given us, he wants us to embrace, and he wants us to understand that these crosses that we have been made to bear are the instruments to our salvation and the means by which we are called to go deeper into our faith. And therein lies the gift. You see, without the cross, we wouldn't be asking the questions we ask, right? But because we are given these crosses, we are made to ask these new questions which always, if they're asked in the right space, lead to new beginnings. And that's what lies at the heart of all, because the cross and the exaltation of the cross, Debbie, equals victory. Amen. Let us close in a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, holy Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program, or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.